in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. Joining me again today is Ben Bolin. Hi, Ben. Hey, thanks for uh, having me back for the second part of our series on targeted advertising. I didn't know if you were going to do a like a mid-season switch. Like right. How, like how, uh, what was it? Previously Pre- on <laughs> Pre- tech stuff. <laughs> right, right. Ben, you ignorant. No, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, Ben and I have been sitting in this, this room for like an hour and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, we recorded, uh, that very long episode, which we broke up in half. You probably heard the par- part one of it. If you haven't, go and listen to it because we're going to pick up right where we left off for part two. And we're really going to talk about uh, uh, lots of stuff, including the problems with malware and ads and just some other general thoughts about targeted advertising, uh, ad blockers, and how can we fix the advertising system that's out there online so that everyone actually gets something of value out of it. And we, you know, spoiler alert, we don't have all the answers yet. So enjoy the second half, and I'll see you on the other side of this episode for the outro that I've already recorded when this was originally going to be one episode. It's time travel. This is like weird. This is, this is strange. We're outside of time and space right now. Let, let, let's listen to, to past us talk about stuff. So one of the other things I wanted to bring up. So not all people who design ad blockers necessarily feel great about it either. That's another right. another element. So we've got like the publishers, some of the publishers and, and authors admitting to the use of ad blockers, mm-hmm. despite the fact that their business model depends at least in part on advertising revenues. Mm-hmm. That's complicated. But then you also have ad blockers who start to feel that perhaps what they're doing might be more might be doing more harm than good. We have an example of this. Yeah, uh, Marco Arment, who created an ad blocker for the iOS store for the, for iPhones. Uh, it was one of several ad blocker apps that became available as soon as Apple allowed for that in the app store. It was very popular. It got downloaded by a lot of people. It was a pay app, so you had to actually purchase it. And after essentially like a, a weekend of thinking about it, he began to reconsider the fact that he had made and made available this app and decided to remove it from the app store and offered refunds to anyone who had purchased it up to that point. And he said the reason for it was that while he thought advertising still is kind of broken mm-hmm. online, or at least is not a ideal experience for most people, it ultimately could really hurt small businesses that really depend on that web advertising and if that if that avenue of revenue is gone, those businesses could go away. He right. says, once I start thinking about something I made could literally put a a person out of business, it changed things for me, mm-hmm. and I I could not let that be something I had contributed to a crisis of conscience. Yeah. So. Um, you know, he decided, uh, he says this specifically, he says, I've learned over the last few crazy days that I don't feel good making one and being the arbiter of what's blocked. Uh, making one being an ad blocker. Uh, ad blockers come with an important asterisk. While they do benefit a ton of people in major ways, they also hurt some, including many who don't deserve the hit. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an article in Wired, which, again, 
Wired is one of those companies that says, hey, we noticed you're watch- using an ad blocker. Would right. you consider possibly turning it off while you're here? You can still visit our website. I mean, what are we, Forbes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm going to tone down the snark. No, but Forbes. we're going to get back to Forbes okay, in just yeah, a second because yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta talk about that. So, um, so Wired, you know, they say, like, this is how we make money. You can please consider turning it off. It worked for me. I turned it off because – the ads I come across on Wired don't tend to be obnoxious or intrusive or take away my experience. Mm-hmm. They don't completely cloud my view of whatever it is I'm looking at. Um, th- they are responsible with their advertising, and I, I, I respect that. So anyway, Wired has this article about uh, Arment and his experience. And one of the things they point out is that ad blockers are too blunt of an instrument, meaning mm-hmm. they punish everyone equally. Uh, they punish the people who are running tons of ads on their page with very little content. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've come across one of those in the past. Yes. Where you're like, is there anything here that's not an ad? Right. They, they punish those where you would argue it's very, there's very little value for your visit, but they also punish the upstanding folks who are just they're doing their best to mm-hmm. make a living doing what they love, but they find it very difficult because of this hit they're taking with ad revenue. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. Now, to get back to Forbes, Forbes has this approach where if they detect an ad blocker, they say, turn it off or you're not going any further. Right. Right. Uh, and they even say, hey, if you turn it off, you can have 30 days to experience the ad light experience with Forbes. And I thought, you know what? That's fair. I will, I will see what this ad light experience is. Maybe it's going to be like wired and I'm going to have a pleasant experience. I turn off my ad blocker. I go on in and the first thing that happens is a float over pop up window playing video automatically mm-hmm. scrolls over what I'm trying to read. And I think this is ad light. What does right. ad heavy look like? <laughs> ad heavy. They send someone to your house and they're just like, <laughs> Hey. Uh, I couldn't help but notice you don't have no rugs over here. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to sell you some rugs and we're right outside. It's only going to take like, uh, 45 minutes to an hour for me to tell you about all these rugs. And, and uh, um, you hear the sound. Yeah. <laughs> you close the door and all you hear is, listen, you close the door, but I'm still here and I'm going to talk about the rugs through your door for the next 45 minutes. You can't block this ad. I mean, it's a good, it's, it's a good point though, because if the ad light experience is still intrusive. Yeah. Then what is the difference? Is it a, again, a hierarchy of types? Yeah. I, and that's a good question that I don't know the answer mm-hmm. to. I mean, it's, and, and I know I'm slamming. Forbes a bit sure, with this discussion, sure. but I under again I understand the position they're in. It's not like I don't appreciate that. Of course I do. I just feel like the whole approach to ads mm-hmm. online has been broken since day one. And and one of the things I keep hoping for is that the ad block issue mm-hmm. will force companies including really advertising companies into coming up with ways where advertising works. Not that we're advertising sneaks in. That's not working. No, that just creates more resentment. Mm -hmm. You've got to find a way to make it work or you have to find a different way to make money. So you could go the route of like a paywall Mm -hmm. that some sites have gone to where you have to pay to get access to the full site. Um, or you could go with something like a Patreon approach where 
you develop a loyal audience and then you say, hey, I love making this stuff for you. I hope you love the stuff that I'm making. It's kind of an NPR model. Right. Help me make the stuff you love by giving me a little bit of money each month. That will cover my costs, and I can keep doing this. And I can give you some perks. Yeah, and there's somewhere there'll be perks as well. And honestly, I, I, I'm I a Patreon for like three or four different things mm-hmm. recurring monthly. And in every case, I don't care about the perks. The perks were not the reason why I did it. I did it because I appreciated and respected the content I was getting, mm-hmm. and I wanted to support the stuff I love. And... I'm in a position where I can afford to do that. Obviously, not everyone is. And in fact, there's some people out there. Tom Merritt, great example. Tom Merritt, stand-up guy, does the Daily Tech News show. Amazing program. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, I get it. Some of you, you know, you're, you're, every dollar counts. Right. And I totally understand that. And I appreciate that you listen to. So thank you. You are just as important to me. But for people who can afford to maybe throw a, a dollar or five dollars a month to help me produce this show, uh, do that. And the more people who do, the more shows I can produce. I can go to six days a week, yeah, which is what he's trying to do right now. Cooler stuff too. Yeah. Like a higher production value. You get what, you get what you pay for. Exactly. And it, and again, it keeps the show ad free. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he might have a sponsor for an episode or two, but generally speaking, the shows are pretty much ad free. Um, which is very refreshing compared to some other shows online sure. where you're like, they've been talking about this ad for three minutes. Do you remember <laughs> how do you, and it, this goes to, uh, other video as well that's not necessarily personality driven. Do you remember the uproar that Hulu created when people would pay for a subscription? What was it? Nine, ten dollars or whatever. Pay for a subscription mm-hmm. that also still had ads. In the video content. Yeah, people were saying, why am I paying to watch these, to watch these ads? I thought that the paying was so that I wouldn't have to watch ads mm-hmm. anymore. Hulu also has the ad blocker detector so that it says, like, you have an ad blocker on. We you are, want to watch an episode, yeah. turn it off. We are unable to provide the ad viewing experience yeah. due to your ad block. You can wait them out, though. You can play the uh, the poker game with them. <laughs> Like you I just, just stare at a screen long enough and it starts to play? <laughs> yes. Does it really? Yeah, if you just leave it alone long enough. Because I'm busy, I would have it on in the background or something. So you just like suddenly you just hear like an episode of Breaking all, Bad yes, start playing. All of a like, sudden. And it, it to be honest, it frightened me and <laughs> my and my and my cat. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's it, it's strange though when we see these different strategies used to address targeted advertising. I have a question for you regarding this. Yeah. So one of the big concerns of privacy advocates is that targeted advertising takes this user, uh, this user generated data Mm -hmm. and builds a profile off of that. We have in the past, or you have specifically on tech stuff, explored the the search bubble. Yes, sure. That past results predict what you were shown when you ask a question. And it's it's supposed to be stuff that, rather than the objective truth, the more 
of a profile you build, the more likely that you're going to find it's going to give you stuff that it thinks you like. It's essentially a stepping stone to the semantic web where the web anticipates what you want and gives you your version of what it is you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, The downside of that being that you could create an Internet version of the echo chamber and you only see the stuff that reinforces what you already think. Absolutely. And And I, I think that this is... I think the dangerous thing about targeted advertising like that is especially because it is automated, right? Mm-hmm. And it's based on this precedent set. What can happen is that eventually through some error in the code, through some uh, misinterpreted series of visits to some other website, it could just decide that Jonathan Strickland must like diapers, <laughs> And because he hasn't bought them yet is only an indication that Jonathan Strickland needs more advertisements for diapers until he gets it. And that, that can happen. That can happen to people. So I, um, you know, one of the most, I think I used this example before, one of the most, in my mind, egregious examples of how to do targeted advertising in the worst possible way is Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, the way it works is that you'll end up seeing stuff inserted into your feed mm-hmm. that can end up being kind of creepy, mm-hmm. especially, like you said, if it's something that pops up where it's related to a search that you did when you weren't even part of Facebook in the first place. Right. But still being tracked. Yeah. You get these promoted uh, entries into your feed that look like the same sort of stuff that mm-hmm. a friend might have left. But it wasn't left by any of your friends. It was just left by your friends at Facebook and whatever (laughs) advertising agency they're working with. And then, of course, there's all the stuff that appears in the right rail that looks like it's news articles, but it's not. It's more advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, And and in fact, a lot of the clickbait stuff that shows up on Facebook, not that this is Facebook's fault, but a lot of the clickbait stuff that ends up getting uh, shared to Facebook and then reshared by tons of people who aren't necessarily thinking critically is really just thinly veiled advertorial content. Right. Or it links to a site that has ridiculous advertising space on it and, and just a tiny bit of content. And also, you know, this goes to a bigger thing. This is the first instance in human civilization of the capability to block advertisement. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. it's something that we forget. We tried a very uh, a daunting and ambitious task on stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, my co-hosts, Matt and Noel and I said, you know what? Let's pick a day and let's count every advertisement we see from waking to sleep. None of us could do it successfully because our day-to-day physical lives are so embedded with advertising already, to your point. Yeah. You know, and it makes me wonder what... If there were some sort of physical analog to that, would people do it? I think the answer is, of course, because people want to feel like they're not being continually pitched to. Right. And in fact, we've, um, you know, this kind of brings us the whole idea about privacy and, and using an ad blocker to protect yourself and then the counter. Two ad blockers where you, you get the ad blocker detectors. Essentially what they're detecting, by the way, mm-hmm. is they're just saying, was the ad served to the browser? And if the answer is no, then the assumption is the person has an ad blocker program running on their machine. Yeah. 
that leads us to the discussion in Europe where there is this uh, this ongoing battle about whether or not ad blocker detectors are in fact illegal or um, at least violating a policy about privacy. Uh, and it's it's a pretty interesting and weird kind of um, uh, story. So there's a, a guy named Alexander Hanf who has put forth this argument saying that because a website is capable of telling you have an ad blocker on it, that violates your sense of privacy. Therefore, it is illegal to have an ad blocker detector on mm-hmm. a service uh, and ad blockers should not be punished or there should not be this this detection system. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was because of a pretty broad reading of the the uh, European privacy law, which says that uh, that com- a company cannot record information about you without your consent. Right. And the argument was that is the ad blocker is the detection of that is that actually recording information about a person? Because if so, then there should first pop up a little message saying this website wants to find out if you're using an ad, ad blocker. Do you? allow it to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets really to a question of practicality. Like, does the Internet work in such a way that it would be possible to implement a policy that's akin to that? Or would it just mean that we have to rethink the way these laws are framed because they don't take into account the way the Internet works? Mm-hmm. And because of that, they are passing laws that are counterproductive or in some cases just would never work. They'd be, they'd be unenforceable and they would be, a, they would just cause a massive mess. Right. Um, and so that's a ongoing discussion as we're recording this podcast that has not been decided yet, but there are arguments on both sides about whether or not these ad blocker detectors are against the law or if they're totally legal and if if they are legal that people can that a company can say hey turn your ad blocker off you 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 vandal <laughs> you visigoth i'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of european marauders at this point you viking uh-huh. um and yeah. uh and so it's it, that's an interesting thing to see now we don't have anything like that in the us because privacy is something we long since gave up on oh yeah 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 we're still doing the song and dance every so often uh you know, it's it, it's one of those we we make Hallmark card level statements about privacy in right. the public sphere, and I guess I guess the really the place to kind of end this discussion, the really the kicker, the reason why it would be very difficult for me to argue with any sincerity against someone's decision to use an ad blocker is the safety issue, the malware issue. So earlier this year. Um, there was a story about how this uh, this malware group managed to infiltrate advertising companies that served ads to places like uh, the BBC and other major outlets like MSN, AOL, like the New York Times. Big fish. Yeah, these are huge outlets that are that have advertising on them and. What the malware designers had done was they had injected malware into 
ads that were being served on these. So they didn't have to, they didn't have to hack into the New York Times or the BBC. They had to hack into the, uh, actual advertising server and insert some malware and disguise it really well so it's not easy to pick out. That malware gets served up as if it's a legitimate ad. And they could convince someone to install uh, some code that ends up encrypting their hard drive. This is called ransomware. So this is when uh, you get a message out of the blue and it says, hey, guess what, sucker, your computer's encrypted. And we've got an encryption key and we'll sell it to you. Mm-hmm. So you've got to pay us and we'll give you the key so that you can get back into your computer. If you don't pay us at such and such a time, we will destroy your encryption key and your computer will permanently be encrypted. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. Ha ha ha. It's essentially the way the message goes. And, and so your, your computer is held hostage. And unless you, uh, pay for it, mm-hmm. then you're kind of stuck. And because it was, it was the, the malware attacks were coming from these major trusted outlets. That's a huge problem, right? Right. It's not like, it's not like the people were going to, you know, some back alley website that was right. already got a terrible reputation they for malware. Go- yeah, they weren't going to like free Xanax and Adderall dot biz. Yeah, exactly. They were going to the New York Times for goodness right, sakes. Right. And so uh if you have an ad blocker, it blocks that stuff because it, it identifies it as an ad and you never get it. So you are safe from that kind of a malware attack. So it's very difficult to argue, hey, ad blockers are wrong when people who don't use them are potentially going to fall victim to this ransomware attack. Right. And this was a very specific incident. It's not necessarily ever going to repeat, or it may not repeat on a scale as large as it did before. But it drives home that fact that ad blockers are not just for people who are tired of being sold to. Right. It's for people who are like, no, I want to be able to surf the web. Like, I'm very careful with the way I surf the web. I want to make sure that I don't get hit by something despite how careful I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting it from what I thought was a trusted source. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's hard to make any kind of argument against that. In fact, one of the things I read about was about Forbes <laughs> being one of those sites that you go to <laughs> Forbes.com and you get the message, hey, you need to turn off your ad blocker right, if you right. want to have access to it. But Forbes was also... Victim to a ransomware attack. That's a shame. Which means that, you know, you're like, well, I want to read that thing on Forbes, but then you make yourself vulnerable to being attacked by malware. And Forbes does such great work. They do. And that's the thing is that, you know, we're, again, sounds like we're really bashing on Forbes. Right, right. Uh, but it's largely due to the problem with advertising, not the problem that Forbes wants to get paid. I totally respect that. Of course, yeah. And I know I've said it multiple times, but I just want to drive that home is that as someone who I make a living off this, I want to continue to do so. And part of that means that I have to be, you know, that my work is going up on pages that have advertising served against it. And I want those pages to do well and I want those advertisers to do well. But it requires that we have an advertising system that works and that isn't predatory or damaging And currently we're still trying to – we as a species are still trying to find what that thing is. We're we're kind of in a pioneering Wild West state right now. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because advertising has been around for – Ages. Ages. Some of the earliest advertising – 
actually goes back to Greco-Roman times. Did you hear about this? No. There were, uh, so. Well, I might actually. I think you, you know what I'm going to say. So, uh, are you talking about houses of ill repute? <laughs> yes, archaeologists found that prostitutes would wear sandals with arrows imprinted in the sole of the sandal uh-huh. so that they would leave a series of arrows as they walked to, as you so fittingly put it, the house of ill repute. Advertising is ancient. I can do you one better than that. All right, lay it on me. Pompeii, the city of Pompeii. Uh-huh. There's still paving stones in Pompeii that have the image of a phallus, a raised <laughs> a raised image. Like it's okay. actually carved in the stone. It's like a bas relief, yeah. Pointing in the direction of the brothels. And and <laughs> if you get the tour guide I get for Pompeii, uh-huh. he delights in pointing all of them out and explaining this and uses the the pronunciation of penus. <laughs> Penus. It has a penus on it. I don't um, know if you're doing me one better, though, because th- these are just – these are clearly like – it sounds like prostitution advertisements are the Pepsi and Coke of early ads. Well, and to be fair, like you, know, you were saying making tracks in the dirt. I'm talking about putting forth the effort of I guess there is stone. that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there is that. Well, maybe, the, maybe their brothels were just more stable places. Well, at least until – yeah, the volcano erupted. Talk about derailing. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, man. Okay, but well, that, that that volcano though. Yeah, one hell of an ad blocker. So too soon. Yeah, yeah. Should have waited a couple more millennia. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're having a lot of fun now. Right. This is when when we're like, hey guys, it's Friday afternoon. Guess who's getting loopy? Um, <laughs> but no, getting back into the mm-hmm. the modern day discussion of this and 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 the concerns that are there. Um, you know, I, I've also read a piece uh, that was written, I think, in ZDNet about how mm-hmm. you, you should not – the the author said you shouldn't give sites that uh, require you to disable ad blockers your clicks mm-hmm. because of the safety issue. Is that if they say that they value money more than they value your safety as a customer, yeah. then that's a message that tells you you should not be a customer of that company. And I thought, well, that's a very – hard argument to oppose, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go to a store where they're like, listen, buy some of our stuff. And then I look up and I see that ceiling tiles are about to fall down or there's a sparking mm-hmm. wire that's just laying on the ground. There's or a kid by himself in a puddle just screaming. There's a <laughs> guy in a hockey mask just pacing back and forth and in the shadows back in the section that I need to go in. A yeah. bird hits the glass. Right. There's yeah. a, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of warning flags that are popping up and I'm thinking, Clearly, this this shop right. proprietor doesn't care about my safety and just wants me to buy something. Uh-huh. I'm out. Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily mean that websites or shop proprietors, for that matter, mm. need to fall over themselves and say, "Listen, your welfare is our chief concern." But at least show some concern, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because you, the audience, the audience ultimately should be the primary concern. Yes. Right. Yeah. And and, uh, and again, if your goal is to make money mm-hmm. by selling to those people, or if your goal is to make money so that you can continue creating content and you're doing it through a partnership with an advertiser, then part of that means you definitely want that audience to be well. 
Right. Because otherwise you don't have someone to sell to, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it makes, it, it's so easy to see how it makes sense that the best possible approach is to find the one that is not going to irritate your viewer base. Because if you can figure that out, mm-hmm. then you are good to go. If, if you are, uh, if you're able to do it without pushing away your audience, mm-hmm. Then things are working. The weird thing, and I know where I was going with before I talked about the ancient, the ancient, uh, advertisement. The weird thing is we've had advertisement for so long, but no real way of seeing how effective it was, right? Right. Yeah. No, no metric. Yeah. So television, radio, newspaper, magazines. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could see after an ad campaign if sales increased and you could argue, well, some of that sales increase must be due to the advertising. And you're probably right, Mm -hmm. but you can't get to the point where you can say how much of that increase was due to the advertising. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may be that the advertising had a small, but ultimately not uh, tremendous impact on sales and something else was responsible for the spike. Right. It's, it was impossible to say. The real weird thing about the internet is you can track all that, right? Yeah. You can track oh, yeah. if people click on an ad. And once you get that information, instead of making it more valuable, it somehow made it less valuable and possibly they made it less valuable by people saying, you know, advertising is not as powerful as I thought it was, mm-hmm. which meant all the advertising companies in the world said, uh-oh. uh-oh. Yeah. All the Don Drapers of the world said, <laughs> man, that that opening part of the credits where a silhouette is falling from a building is starting to look pretty prophetic right now. Of course, we all know that's not how it turned out. I have never seen Mad Men. Neither have I. I've just read a lot about it. I hear it's I, a lot like Looper. I, well, yeah, it's a lot like <laughs> Looper. It's exactly like Looper. Uh, so anyway – that kind of wraps up our discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, again, this is a, a, a weird thing to talk about on a podcast that occasionally has sponsors that, uh, also again is part of a company that does web that, well, that makes money at least in part through web advertising. But we thought it was an important one to talk about because as, as people who create content, we want to see this work. We want, we want to have a job. Mm-hmm. Ben, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I like what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm here for community service, actually. I got you. you yeah. That explains the orange uh, vest that you yeah, always have to wear. Yeah. I pull uh, it off, though. It, yes, but then we have to report you because we were told you have <laughs> to, to wear keep it, it all on. the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. This You're is, absolutely right. We love our jobs. We love our jobs and we want to keep doing them. Mm-hmm. But as consumers ourselves, we completely understand the plight of people who uh, are tired mm-hmm. of these bad experiences. So if I were to leave you with anything, dear listeners, it would be put all the house stuff works domains on your white list <laughs> <laughs> so that I can continue to have a job. Um, but also if anyone out there is in the advertising world to really give hard thought, like how can we create a better system that serves everyone more effectively mm-hmm. because we, we do, we need that. We want it. We need it for multiple reasons. The, the content providers need it. The viewers need it. The advertising companies need it. The, the vendors need it. We just have to figure that out in a way that has not really worked yet. I mean, uh, with some exceptions, there's some online ads that may be extremely effective and we need to study how those work. And what was it that 
made them special and perhaps create more appropriate best practices you know for this sort of stuff. Yeah, you know what's way more effective currently, it seems to be, are, uh, are Twitter accounts from uh, companies yeah. that talk directly to it with a sense of humor and uh, in these weird rivalries, like fast food company Twitters are hilarious. I don't know who they put in charge of it, and I don't right. know when they sober up. But right. for now, the ride is great. Well, and and for me, like I subscribe to quite a few services as well, mm-hmm. uh, including YouTube Red is one. And because I subscribe to YouTube Red, I don't there I don't worry about ads. That doesn't happen, but um, it means I'm paying a certain amount per month to have access to that. And in fact, I, I didn't even subscribe to YouTube Red. Technically, I subscribed to Google Music, which then converted into a YouTube Red subscription, ah, I see. which is awesome because <laughs> I don't have to subscribe to two different things now. Um, but that approach I also like. Like I like the choice mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, you can go the route of watching the ad supported content. Or if you pay a little to us each month, mm-hmm. you can get the ad free version Um and I, I'm fine with that, too, because it does give you a choice. But but even better than that is to find this responsible way to serve up advertising where the viewers are safe, uh, the audience is safe, rather, and that, you know, no one feels like they're being attacked or no one's actually getting attacked in right, the case right. of ransomware. Uh, ben, thank you so much for joining us. Please let my listeners know where they can find all of the things that Ben Boland does. Oh, yes. Uh, for how stuff works. Yes, all of the safe for work things. Absolutely. Well, always, uh, thanks for having me aboard the show, Jonathan and listeners. You can check out some, uh, some conspiratorial or darker sides of tech on our show, stuff they don't want you to know, which comes out in audio and video each week. We have a new episode on both of those platforms and you can catch your host here, Jonathan, on several of those, uh, several of the shows, we've, we've had some, uh, different cameos. Uh, you can also see Jonathan and I on our video show, Brain Stuff. And we're also on a show called What the Stuff. Yep. And, uh, there's another show of yours that I always want to mention because I'm a personal fan of it. Uh, if somebody wants to know more about future tech, where can they go? fwthinking.com or go to youtube.com and search for fwthinking. That's forward thinking. Uh, it's a show that's gone on for four seasons so far and, uh, really proud of it. Done some great work with, uh, Joe and Lauren have been writers on that series as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a uh, writer and host. They have written for it. We also have an audio podcast that goes along with that. So you can check that out if you weren't already aware of it. Uh, you are now. So, yeah, thanks so much, guys. If you have suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, please let me know. Once again, I finally figured out that all of my listener mail was going to the helpful clutter folder (laughs) in Microsoft Outlook. And now that I know that, I fixed it. So feel free to write to me. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or you can drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook. The handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. And I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 